from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. And welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here in Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are on Sirius XM, Channel 111, and I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, Career Director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And today we have Dion and guest Patty Hall manning the ship. Welcome, guys. You guys are dream team. And... We also have a great guest today to talk about what I'm going to call, I'd rather put a hot poker in my eye, job search situation. (laughs) So, hey, if you've got a potentially scary question that you hate answering in the interview, or maybe you have a horror story from an interview or a networking situation, we'd love to hear from you today at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Because, hey, we've all been there. We've all had those situations. And more often than not, your situation might help save somebody else from having that situation. So if you have a tip, if you have a question, we invite you to call in all hour. If it's Thursday, we are live at noon Eastern time. And you can reach us also at bizradio111 on Twitter or businessradio at SiriusXM.com. So today, to help us with this uh, nails on a chalkboard job search situations, we welcome Terry Ween. She is the co-founder and co-CEO of Wheel and Ween, as well as JobTrex. So Wheel and Ween is a global career advisory firm that has advised over 4,000 job seekers. And in 2015, they launched JobTrex, which is a state-of-the-art personal platform for career exploration, job search, and my favorite, networking. Previously, Terry spent her career on Wall Street in investment banking, sales and trading, and she received her MBA and BSc right here at the Wharton School. Welcome to Career Talk, Terry. Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that is quite a quite a resume. So, what what made you decide to go from Wall Street to career coaching? Well, I really believe that everybody has several careers in them. I loved Wall Street, but I liked the recruiting part of it. So, when I decided to launch a business, I I went, did it with my best friend from college. We decided to hang a shingle and go into the career advisory business, sort of like you've got several careers in you as a psychologist, a radio host, recruiter, etc. So is that is that um, is that kind of the new way? I think a lot of people are going in that direction, kind of these what we call portfolio careers, because you've got you've now got two companies and you used to be on Wall Street. And, you know, I'm sure you have other ideas that you're you're stirring up and you do consulting. So, I mean, wow. Well, it's it's about being open minded to what the next step is. We've had Wile and Ween for almost 10 years. Great career advisory firm. I love doing it. But through that, we realized that our clients asked for a tech platform. So now we're in the tech business. We gave them what they needed. So I think the key part about that, and I, I think that that is really key to anybody who's in the job market right now, is that things change. And it's not enough to know what your transferable skills are. It's not enough to know what you're interested in. But I think that third piece and the very important piece is to know what's going on in the market. I've heard a statistic, and I think this is a little bit inflated, but it's still exciting and scary at the same time, which is by the year 2020, over 50% of the workforce will be contract in some way. So part-time or, or you know, on, on job-type projects instead of actual employees for a company. And I, I do think it might be a little bit high to say over 50%, but 
you're a perfect example because I know you you do some work with Wharton. I know you have your own business and now you have this technology platform. So, so I mean, I think that's going to be the wave of the future, which is super exciting on the one hand, but a little bit terrifying on the other hand because that requires a lot more um, attention being paid to what's happening in the market. Sure, this theme fits into the shared economy. We see it with cars. People don't own cars anymore. They use Uber. They use Zipcar. We see it with Airbnb. We see it with a lot of parts of their lives, and it's no different in their careers. Uh, Yes, you can go get a great job at a company, a full-time job, or you can be a self-contractor. You can be a consultant. You can have several part-time jobs. I look at it as opportunity. I look at it not as a bad thing, as an amazing opportunity for job seekers. And I think it's kind of fun because that way you, you, you get to do different things. You get to meet different people. You're constantly building your network. You're constantly building your skill set. So it's definitely the new wave of work. So, hey, if you're listening and you've got one of these portfolio careers or have been thinking about going in this direction, we'd love to hear from you today on Career Talk. We are at 1-844-WHARTON. That is 1-844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we're here with Terry Ween, and we are talking all about I'd rather poke my eye out than do this. And so let's talk about one that, I'll be honest, I'm an introvert. Are, are you introvert, extrovert, Terry? Technically, I'm an extrovert, but I totally get introvert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the idea of networking for me, despite the fact that I, I fully believe in it, I did my dissertation on it, and... I know from personal experience, as well as a lot of my clients, it works. It's not the kind of thing that you're going to say, hey, I'm really looking forward to this networking event I have to go to. So <laughs> what can people do and why, why, even though the research supports it, why is it so hard for us? It, it's natural to be nervous about approaching a group and tr- and starting a conversation with a stranger. But I like to think of networking as just little mini conversations. If you think of it that way, then you're not going to be intimidated. So if you go to an event, instead of looking at this big room filled with recruiters, say, I'm going to go up to one person as if I'm in the grocery store and I'm going to have a conversation. And if you break the whole process down that way, it makes it so much less intimidating. I think it's this idea of rejection. As humans, we hate rejection, whether it's being rejected from a job interview, whether it's being rejected from a you know, networking conversation, nobody wants to talk to me, or I don't know what to say, or I'm going to look silly. I mean, let's face it, we hate that. I hate that. <laughs> Sure, but I don't like to bring in the the ask that would lead to the rejection in the networking. The networking is just about having a conversation. Hi, I'm so and so. I'm I'm in the job market in digital media. Love to talk to you. So let me let me take that because that is so important. What you just said. When you take out the outcome mm-hmm. piece of it, whether it's the interview or whether it's the networking situation, when you take out that. I need this result. I need to get this job. I need to get to the next interview. I need to get this person to give me a contact or or a job lead. That right there is is probably the number one hack I can say to anybody who hates these situations is take the the emphasis on the outcome out of it. And the fact is you'll probably get a better outcome. Absolutely. Take the ask out, but set the stage. You don't want to have a boring blank conversation because you are there for a purpose. So you're not going up to someone saying, hey, I need a job. But you might say, I'm a student at XYZ school. I'm studying media, and I'm really interested in learning more about digital media at your company. Mm-hmm. So that's not asking for something, but it's telling them what the, what the scope of the conversation and is. And I find it really hard to believe that anybody would be like, well, I'm not going to tell you about that. 
I'm not going to tell you about media at our company. Sorry. Definitely. And remember, they're at the networking event for a reason. You know, they're there because their company sent them to meet people as potential employees. Mm-hmm. So it's a two-way street. So let's talk about, you know, one of the things I've, I've really gotten into for whatever reason, maybe it's a phase, I love these idea of hacks, like hacks. How do I, if I'm an introvert or just anybody who doesn't like to interview and I'm going into an inter, or not an interview, sorry, a big networking event where there's dozens, maybe hundreds of people, I don't know, but I know that I need to go in there and, and I need to, to meet people. And what are some of those things you recommend so that it's either more comfortable or more successful or more effective? What are some of those quick tips that we can give the listeners on how to be successful in that situation, which can be somewhat terrifying for many of us? Well, you don't want to be too scripted, but it's okay to have a few sound bites just to get the conversation going. So if you know you're approaching two or three people, you might say, mind if I join the conversation? I hear that you are interested in meeting candidates who are majoring in engineering. So have, and this is what I call an entry and exit strategy. Mm-hmm. And, and for entry and exit strategy means what is that first thing you're going to say? How are you going to break into a conversation? And if you have that line, then that makes it a little easier. We'll talk about exit strategy in a minute. But yeah, so what are you going to say? The other thing I want to point out that you said, Terry, which is very important, is research shows it's easier to break into a group of three than a group of two. And the reasoning behind that is because if it's a group of two, there's a possibility that that this is a group that knows each other very well or that they're talking about things because they're friends or they're past colleagues that would be difficult to get into that conversation. But if it's a group of three or more, chances are that there are people in that group who are also new or also not part of the group. So when you're networking, look for look for a little bit larger group. <laughs> That's great advice. I never knew that. So yeah, I, I, I think it's also important to keep your social cues out. I mean, you know, if you can tell if somebody's in a heated conversation and you're interrupting, you don't want to be a stalker. But at the same time, if people are in a casual conversation, embrace all the people in the group. Don't just stare at the one person you're, you're targeting. Say, mind if I join you and turn and introduce yourself to all three people. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're listening and you've got a great networking hack, we would love to hear it here on Career Talk. You can reach us throughout the hour if it's Thursday at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And okay, so what if you go to a networking event and there's somebody that you really want to meet? Maybe it's it's probably somebody pretty popular and a lot of people want to meet that person. What do you recommend that people do to, to get to that person? Two things. First of all, reach out to them ahead of time. Email them in advance. Say, nice. I'm looking forward to meeting with you. Here's a quick summary of my background. I'll see you tomorrow. Second is get there early. Mm. Usually the presenters or the people in the networking sessions are there early. At the end, they're running out the door and they're tired and they're tired of talking to people. I'm going <laughs> to, it's so funny you say that because I will say as an introvert, when I would go to these big presentations, I was super interested in the presentation, but I would go in the second before it started. <laughs> so I didn't have to talk to anybody. And then right after it was done, I'd, I'd collect my things and leave. And again, that is, that is my life as an introvert. I don't do that anymore because I know that is not going to benefit me or anybody else because also there's people I might be able to help in that audience. So I, I love that. Email them the day before. If you're going to a big networking event, find out who is going to be there that you want to meet. Say, hey, it looks like we're going to be at the same event. I'd love to just, you know, shake hands, put a put a face with a name and, and things like that. I love that. The other thing I would say is if a lot of people want to meet somebody, 
chances are this is not the place to have your extended conversation. Here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's what I love. What I would recommend is shake hands. Hi, I just want to put a face with a name. I'm Dawn. Really great presentation. Enjoyed it. Love to follow up with you. I'll reach out to you on LinkedIn. And then and then go and let them, you know, I realize you have a lot of people to speak with, so I'm not going to monopolize your time. I mean, recognize, again, those social cues. And then now you've kind of set it up, well, I can reach out to you later. And But Dawn, I think you're missing one piece of that. I love it. Tell Get me the Terry. business card. Get the yes, business card. Yes, we use card. LinkedIn. Get the business card. Get the business card. you have their contact information. If you want to, walk into a corner and write down some notes. This is actually what we do on Job Tracks is track your job search. And and then you have a way to reach out to them. You, you're reminding yourself what you talked about, and it will it'll set you up for the su- successful next steps. And I'm just going to remind people, bring your business cards. Mm-hmm. For goodness sake, bring your business cards. I cannot tell you, Terry, how many times I've been to a networking event. No business card. I left them in my car. I left them at my office. Here's my tip. Here's my secret. And I know some of you listen off and know this. Put a couple in your phone case because you will always have your iPhone, smartphone. I mean, we never leave home without that. Put a couple in the back of the case so if you don't have them with you, you will always have one to give. So we're going to go to May in New York. May, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi, how are you guys? Great, May. Uh, Thanks so much for this conversation. It's a really useful tip. Um, My biggest issue around networking and just in, you know, introducing myself in the job market is that I don't have an American name. My name is foreign origin and so um it's just a little bit difficult for people to remember sometimes so we're taking i I tend to shorten it um to may and that sort of helps but again it's not really my official name and it's not the name that i use for my career in linkedin Mm -hmm. so so it helps when you're introducing yourself to give them your name and then you say you know but but people call me may is that usually how the conversation goes yeah okay so may I have I have two I have two two thoughts for you. First of all, make your LinkedIn consistent with any way that somebody may identify you. Remember, LinkedIn is your online marketing profile, and so you want people to find you. So maybe you put your full name and then parentheses may and then your last name. And that way people will will see your profile and know they're at the right person. Second of all, Maybe you introduce yourself pronouncing your name the way you prefer it and at the same time saying, some of my friends call me May. And, and you're showing them how to pronounce your name. You're giving them an alternative. And that way, they'll follow up in a way that's comfortable for them. If they can't remember how to pronounce it, they'll call you May, as long as you're comfortable with that. And um, if there's a way to give them um, kind of a... Um mnemonic mnemonic so i mean maybe your name um you know is is similar to something else or it rhymes with something else people like that and and at these events get yourself a name tag and write it on the actual um, name tag and i've also seen people write it on the name tag and then beneath it write it phonetically so that people know how to pronounce it which i think people find so helpful because i will i will say to you may at these events a lot of people are so nervous that when you introduce yourself regardless of what your name is that they're so focused on on how they're presenting and how they look they forget names really easily so i think people would be very appreciative if you give them some some cues to remember it because Again, we're all kind of bad at remembering names, but you've got that additional challenge. So these are some of the suggestions that I love. And even I've seen, May, on a resume that somebody puts underneath their name, the the, the phonetic 
pronunciation of it so that people know because you know it's the most important thing to all of us so that is a great question i know that a lot of people are going to benefit from you asking it may thank you for listening to career talk Hey, if you've got a question about networking, interviewing, or a horror story, or a tip that might be able to help others, we would love to take your call. If it's Thursday, we're here all hour at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we're here with Terry Ween of Job Trucks talking all about scary job search situations. And right now we're talking about my favorite topic, but yet one that's pretty scary still for me, networking. So we talked about Terry entry strategy. We've talked about some some hacks about keeping business cards in your in your iPhone. We've talked about how to break into groups of three or more versus two. So let's talk about this is one that is still very uncomfortable for me, which is you're in a conversation and you you really want to get out of it. <laughs> and but you want to get out of it gracefully and not rudely and you know you've already used the I finished my drink I have to go to the bathroom I mean those are pretty standard but you know you're out of those what can you do so here's a good one turn it back to them and and be gracious say I don't want to monopolize your time I know there are a lot of people here who want to speak with you thank you so much I'm going to follow up tomorrow (laughs) can I have your business card and the can I have your business card sort of signals the end of the conversation no no Terry really there's no one else that wants to talk to me (laughs) that's great so so basically you're saying you're doing them a favor. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Dawn, also one other thing I wanted to add about the business cards. Mm-hmm. If somebody does not have a job and doesn't have business cards but is in job search, go make cards. It's very easy. It's just as important that you have cards even if you're not employed so the, the people you're meeting have a way to contact you. Let's talk about that for a second because I do agree with that. One of my favorite sites to do that, which is has a lot of creative options and is easy, is Zazzle, Z-A-Z-Z-L-E.com. Um, there's a number of other ones that are pretty low cost to you. What should people put on this business card when they're in between jobs? Because I agree with you that, yeah, you don't want to write your name and number on a sweet and low packet and give it to somebody and God forbid they get home, their spouse gets angry. What's this? Where were you? I was networking. This doesn't look like networking. So what do they put on there? I would keep it simple. I would just put your name. In the case of May, you could put the parentheses name, your email address, and your cell phone. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Um, and what about like one or two things that that you that you specialize in? Well, if you you're specifically looking in one field, you could say something like software engineer or investment banker or whatever it is. But you don't need to if you're looking in several different places. Mm-hmm. So we are going to go to Josh in South Carolina. Josh, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi there. Um, I am actually currently working in outside sales down in South Carolina. And I am looking to make a little bit of a change in my career. The problem that I've got is that I have a non-compete that kind of renders all of my traditional networking as something that I can't really follow up on. Um, so I'm kind of wondering what sort of opportunities I should be looking for to, you know, either create a new network or, or kind of help me find some additional options to, to help me get around that non-compete and meet some folks who can help me find a career that I want to be looking for. Got it. So your non-compete prevents you from even speaking to your network. Tell us a little bit more about that, Josh. Well, most of my network right now is in the automotive industry. Right. And unfortunately, so when I leave this position, I, I kind of lose my ability to work within that industry. Okay. Um, go ahead, Terry. 
Well, I'm certainly not going to give you advice on a non-compete because I'm not an attorney. But I can give you advice on how you take skills such as sales and transition it into another type of role. So if you feel like you can't focus on the customer base that you're currently covering, market your scale skills to scale, sales skills to another industry to because it's sales skills. Sales skills. <laughs> it's very transferable. So you could look at, at sales opportunities in a multiple of ind- industries, which I'm guessing would not interfere with the non-compete. And I'm gonna I'm gonna add to that too. Um, one of the things that I think people underestimate are second level contacts. And what second level contacts are, if you have a network, and, and let's just say you have this network on on LinkedIn or wherever you have your network, you can start looking at those second level contacts. And those people could be spouses, cousins, I mean, neighbors, all these other people. And I think people underestimate how many people in this this second level of contacts can help you, whether it's, it's in a different industry, whether it's in the same industry. But the whole benefit, in my opinion, of, of LinkedIn is not only creating your core network, but it's really getting access to that second level network. So what I would do is if you're not, if you don't have these contacts on LinkedIn, I would do that. If you do, I would start taking a look at your second level contacts, Josh, because I'd be willing to bet you that that you've got a network out there that you didn't even know existed. And to follow up on that, networking is not just about these formal events. Every time you talk to anybody, it's a networking opportunity. And so start working in your script that you're looking for new opportunities, you're you're in job search. I just had a client the other day who was getting a manicure and the manicurist started talking about job search. She mentioned she was looking for a new job and the manicure's previous client was looking to hire somebody. It happens so all the everything's time. an opportunity. So I would say, Josh, look at exactly what Dawn said, look outside of your network. Josh, we wish you all the best in your job search. Hey, thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. May, thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. We are here all hour. It's Thursday. We're on Sirius XM Channel 111, powered by the Business School of Wharton. And you can reach us. The phones are open. 1-844-942-7866. That's 1-844-WHARTON. And we'd love to take your call. We're here with Terry Ween, and we are talking about... Those challenging, I'd rather poke my eye out with a with a needle job search situation. So if you have a horror story that you want to share, you have a question or you have a tip for somebody else who might be experiencing these things in their job search, we would love to hear from you at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So Terry, we're talking all about networking, which is my favorite topic, but is also a little scary. And I can't say that I, I would I would plan a networking event for every night yeah. of my of my life because it just it takes a lot out of me as an introvert. Love doing it, love helping other people, but so we're talking about hacks. How can you go into a big room full of people you don't know and successfully come out with some relationships? That seems very terrifying. Yes, and and I think we've. We've come up with several game plans, go to groups of three, have a few scripts for yourself. Um, another thing is bring somebody with you. Sometimes it's not intimidating if you wing come man. with a friend. A Absolutely. I love the idea of a wingman, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that one step further, which is bring a wingman if that gets you in the door, but leave your wingman because otherwise what happens is you end up spending the whole evening with that person and you don't get to meet anybody. So I always say bring the wingman. 
you know, get your drink, get your get your hors d'oeuvres, whatever it is, find your seats, and then separate for for thirty minutes. Agree to meet back. So you now have an exit strategy if you're if you're stuck speaking to somebody, but you also agree that um, we're going to separate so that we meet new people. Absolutely. In fact, my business partner and I go to several networking events and purposely don't sit at the same table. And we, we this way we're talking to new people. We walk in together, and at the end we we walk out together. Perfect. And you always you always have a ride. The the <laughs> other thing I will say is find a role. So similar, Terry, to your your idea of you know kind of planning ahead. If you're the person who volunteers to help people get signed in, or maybe help people find the the table of hors d'oeuvres, or help people hang up their coats, or things like that. When one of the things people don't realize when you're an introvert, if you have a role. And you've been tasked with doing it. You, you're really good at that. So you will inevitably meet everybody as they come in. And people will remember you as the warm face they, they met when you came in. And chances are there's lots of other people in the room who are feeling uncomfortable. So they're going to be really thrilled that, that they get to meet a friendly face on the way in. Absolutely. And, and you're bringing up a good point that there are other people in the room who feel uncomfortable just like you. All you have to do is scan the room and find them. It's very obvious if you know what you're looking for. It's the people standing in, on the sidelines. Go up to them, engage them, and say, hey, why don't we walk over and meet the presenter? Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to Bob in Scranton. Bob, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi, Bob. Well, I think you had just, you had just talked about um, uh, what I was going to bring up. I actually teach a networking course, me and a friend, uh, Marty Wolf, we teach, it's called Intentional Networking. Fantastic. And what you had just said, I think, was something I was going to bring up in that when most people are in a networking situation, they're nervous about it and they're not sure what to do. And one of the things we instruct or we let people know is that a lot of people in that room are in the same situation. And the toughest thing to do is, is maybe just to understand that and just be friendly and go up and say hello with the understanding that most people feel the same way you do. And I think once you do that once or twice, it becomes natural, and that's uh, just something uh, you learn to do. I love that, Bob. So, so let's say I walk into a room. What, what should I look for? What should I look for in terms of that? You know, being a friendly face to somebody who feels the same way that I feel. Well, I think um, normally I think it's fairly easy to spot. Um, you'll see people walk around, and they they'll just look uneasy. Um, even if if they're in groups, you'll see they want to maybe uh, join in with the group or something like that. But I don't think it's very difficult. I, I see it a lot, and I think it's just something where um, you, you just look. You just turn around. You just look around, look in the, look in the room, and say, who looks like maybe that they feel a little bunny, bit uneasy. Uh, and it's, there are more difficult things in the world. I think it's easy to spot that. And, it, and it's just a matter of going up. And you can even say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not comfortable with these things, but I thought I'd say, hello, how are you doing? What is your name? You know, what do you do? And one of the other things we preach is uh, that you want to be interested rather than interesting. So yeah, you never Love talk that. about yourself. You, you would say, hey, what are you here for? What do you do? Um, and usually once you ask one or two questions, if you listen, then you could have questions that follow that. It doesn't have to, you don't have to have a script. And um, people do like to talk about themselves. It usually only takes one or two questions, and you can take it from there. I love that. Be interested rather than interesting. Strive to do that because that takes the pressure off. My God, that takes the pressure off, Bob. And, Bob, that's great advice not just for the person you're meeting who's going to be a fellow networker, but to when the person you're trying to, to talk with. You can say to them, how was your trip down from New York? You know, Ask them a question. Like you said, people love to talk about themselves. And 
Here's a question I love, Bob, that kind of goes along with what your your um, course teaches is that instead of asking somebody what they do, which is standard, because here's the thing. Some people at these events are out of work or between jobs or things like that, and it's uncomfortable. I always ask people, what do you love about the type of work you do? And it does two things. One, if they're not currently working, it gives them something to, to speak about and introduce themselves with. But two, you're asking them about something that's exciting for them. So, I mean, immediately they're going to perk up and have energy. You know what I really love about being a career coach is, is this. So, Bob, I'm so excited for what you and your partner do. That's awesome. Um, get it out there. Networking is so critical to to so many aspects of the career uh, world, and you are helping so many people. Thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk, Bob, and sharing your tip. Hey, we'd love to hear your tips too. Give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And we're going to go to Stephen in Florida. Stephen, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hey, good morning, guys, uh, or good afternoon, I should say. Um, I'm kind of going through a bit of a career change now, and I've been running into problems. I'm pretty good at networking in terms of using what you guys have talked about already today, you know, getting to get them to kind of respond to you and give the card over and everything and get some interest, but I can't seem to close the deal. My problem is that my resume doesn't speak to what my skill set is. It just speaks to what I've been doing to get the bills to get paid. Yes. So So I'm kind of in that struggle of a career change where I can't argue my skill set because it's all paper and academic, but I know it's kind of hard to say, like, here's what I know versus what I can do. Yep, yep. So can you give us the two-second overview of what you you did and what you're looking to do, Stephen? Sure. I've been in sales. I even just finished a teaching career of three years. Um, But what I can do is analysis primarily around security issues. My master's degree is from uh, George Mason in biodefense. So that's the kind of stuff that I know, Intel world and government-style security, that kind of thing. Wait, so just to clarify, you were in sales and teaching, and now you're looking to go into technology, security, defense. Is that... Mostly security, yeah, security, defense, mostly uh, primarily around analysis. So yeah, so great market. And so now it's just about taking that resume. And it's interesting what you say, Stephen, which is that the resume, yeah, it's a, it's a history of what I've done. And what we need you to do is take that and create, instead of a history of what you've done, more of an overview of the value you've added to the companies you've been in and specifically looking at the overlap between what you've done in sales and teaching and how it relates to analysis and security. So, Stephen, the way I look at resumes is obviously you have to be factual, but then how you describe each each job that you've had, each position is up to you to how to market yourself. So the name of the company, the title, that's a fact. The bullet points is where you can be creative. And what I would suggest you do is look at some job postings that you're interested in. See what type of skill sets they are requiring or looking for and build that language into your bullet points. So for example, if you're looking for a job and they want somebody with um, creative personality and ability to analyze specific data, I'm making this up obviously, and your previous job, even though you were a teacher, you did that, then write you're a teacher, but under the bullet points, use, use the same type of language of what they're looking for. Something I would add to that is 
put make sure you have a summary at the top of your resume that is really highlights those skills that are most transferable to your new industry. A lot of people overlook this step and it's three or four sentences of your most impressive accomplishments. So for example, maybe you were continuously promoted earlier. Maybe you were you were top in your your class or you know things that you were consistently best of the best or you've, you've gotten achievements or awards or you won a big client. I mean, think about those things that are going to be most bottom line oriented and interesting to your new employer and put that in that top one third of your resume because hey people take six seconds on your resume and chances are that's going to be the six seconds and you can pretty much direct them to all of your most impressive accomplishments right there the other thing I'm going to say is that in your case as a career switcher resume should not be coming first in your case you need to have your network come first resume second because let's let's face it there are traditional candidates out there who you know, the resume are going to make it through the applicant tracking system, whereas yours may not. So do look at your network. Find people who work in the companies that you want to work in or whose spouse does or neighbor does and get in front of those people because you've got a, a, a lot of accomplishments. People know you're a good guy and everyone wants to work with a good guy. And Dawn, if I could add one more resource to this. You mentioned, Stephen, that you went to George Mason. Most colleges, universities, colleges, business schools, have career resources for alumni. So don't go it alone. Go on your school's website and see what they offer. It may be resume um, ideas online, or they some schools even offer one-on-one appointments. Stephen, I'm very excited for you. Um, Make sure you're networking. Go on LinkedIn. Make sure you go to Connections, alumni, just to tag on to what Terry was saying. I bet you have more contacts out there in the companies you want than you think. Thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. We really appreciate it. We're here all hour. The phones are open at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Now we're going to go to my favorite part of the show, the pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. Okay, this is the fun one. Okay, although you may not have much control over these, research shows that timing matters when it comes to interviewing and that interviews tend to go better when these three things are in place. One, you interview earlier in the day. Two, you're not interviewed on the same day as your strongest competition. And three, what is it? What is the third condition that will give you a greater chance of success in the interview. So the first two are interview earlier in the day, and the second one is that you're not interviewed on the same day as your strongest competition. What is the third one? Think you know? Give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel One Eleven.
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. And welcome back to Career Talk here on Sirius XM, Channel 111, powered by the Wharton School. Dion, you know Halloween is my favorite holiday. And today we we're talking about very scary job search situations. So that was that was perfect. So we are here throughout the hour at 1844 Wharton. That's 1844-942-7866. You can also go to at BizRadio111. And hey, if you'd like more Weekly advice and tips, you can sign up for my blog at dawnoncareers.com. We are here with Terry Ween of Job Treks, and we are talking about those I'd rather poke myself in the eye with a hot poker than, than do this job search tips. And we were talking a lot about networking, and there's a lot of great networking hacks that we had in the first half of the show. So if you missed it, make sure you go and listen on the replays or check us out on demand um, after the show. But we are going to switch to yet another scary part of the job search process, Terry, which is the interview. Scary, scary stuff. I mean, anytime we're being evaluated, we could probably talk about what we do all day. But when you put yourself in a situation where you're being evaluated, uh, all of a sudden it becomes pretty scary. So our pre-break quiz was all about, net, or excuse me, interviewing. So let's, let's, uh, let's go ahead and answer that one. This was a tough one. All right, here was our pre-break quiz, and here is the answer. Although you may not have much control over these, research shows that timing matters when it comes to interviewing, and that interviews tend to go better when these three things are in place. One, you interview earlier in the day. Two, you're not interviewed on the same day as your strongest competition. And three, what is it? What is it? Terry, do you think you know? Um, I don't know. And we hear, heard some interesting guesses around here during the break. Love to share them with you if you want me to. <laughs> Do you want to just venture a guess? One might involve lunch, before or after lunch. Lunch? No. So it's- Dion? I was actually going to say the same. I was going to say after they go to lunch, but then you said earlier in the day, so that kind of made me wrong, too. Patty? <laughs> <laughs> well... I was actually going to say, uh, talk to them right uh, after lunch, because if you talk to them right before lunch, they'll be cranky and hungry. But apparently that's wrong, too. <laughs> everybody, I'm, I'm so interested that everybody has to do with lunch, because I, I bet that is the case. If they're hungry, they're probably cranky. So no control over this. No control over this. So keep that in mind. But when it comes to interview outcomes, timing matters, and you might not have much control over these, but when possible, make an effort to manipulate the timing to your advantage because research shows that interviews go better when they're earlier in the day, when you're not interviewed on the same day as your strongest competition, and when the weather is good. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, that was a really hard question. And of course, you have no control over that. But hey, if you're going to interview and and it's a sunny, bright day, chances are you should have more confidence because your interview is going to go better. (laughs) For for more great tips, go to dawnoncareers.com and sign up for the weekly blog. So Terry, let's talk about interviews. And let's talk about a few maybe interview hacks that, that for people who tend to hate them, which I think most people would fall into that category, that can make them more comfortable. Of course, interviews are scary. And unlike networking, you can't bring a buddy. 
Uh, I like to, to go into an interview prepared in a couple ways. First of all, the first thing you're going to say is your elevator pitch. No matter what they ask you, if they say, tell me about yourself, walk me through your resume, you're going to have a 30 to 60 second answer which introduces yourself. You know that's coming so you can prepare it in advance. That is the, here's the thing as a former recruiter, that we think this is a softball question. And you're like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, so why don't you just give us a little information, tell us about yourself, how did you get where you are? I mean, it can be asked a number of ways, but I'll tell you this. One, as a job seeker, it is hands down the hardest question to answer because you can really take it anywhere. And I've seen people take it in places where it shouldn't go. Two, you can ramble on forever. No one wants to hear that either. Um, But three, it's an opportunity missed because first impressions matter. And while you don't want to sound like a robot and rehearsed and like you've memorized something, here is your chance in the interview, regardless of what they ask you after or if the interviewer is terrible, here is your chance in the interview to set the stage on what's going to be talked about in the next 45 minutes. And we know that it's the first 90 seconds of an interview where the the hiring manager or the recruiter is making a decision on you. So here it is. Here's your 90 seconds. Not to get you all freaked out, but spend a little time thinking about what you want to say to answer that question. I would even take it a step further. Practice it. Write it out and practice it and time yourself. The single biggest mistake people make in interviews is they're long-winded. Mm-hmm. And so learn what it feels like to speak for 60 seconds only. This is so true. I do I do mock interviews with my clients and I say after the tell me about yourself, how long do you think you went on? I don't know, maybe two minutes, two and a half. I'm like, seven. Like <laughs> when you're nervous, you're not thinking. I'm like, let's let's talk about what you want to say and and Let's talk about how to structure this. Terry, what do you recommend? Let's 60 seconds goes by pretty quickly. I would say you could go in reverse chronological order or chronological. I personally like chronological. Went to XYZ University. Uh, after school, I worked for four years at XYZ firm doing ABC. Currently, I'm in this position, which is really terrific. I've learned these skill sets, and I'm so excited to talk to you about the opportunity at your company. Mm-hmm. Then that was that was even less than 60 seconds. Well done. So um, the structure I give out is is not too different. Um, people tend to remember the first thing you say and the last thing you say. They also tend to remember numbers because if you think about it, it's word, 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 number. And all of a sudden you drag their attention back. So um, I would always start with, with your brand statement. So start with where you are now, your strongest uh, way to describe yourself. Talk about three accomplishments and you can certainly do that in – chronological order or, you know, you know, the, the three things I'm most proud of in my career were, you know, my first job at this and then my second job at this and my, you know, most recently I, I did this. Um, and now I'm looking to take those skills and do X. So this is the part where people miss. How do you take what you've done and your accomplishments and close that gap between what the pain points of your new employer and I'll tell you that's what most people miss in the interview is that that closing of that gap so yeah this is a hard question for for you as job seekers practice it structure it know generally what you want to say don't sound like a robot but I will tell you you can set the stage for the whole rest of the interview on this question so hey give us a call with with the question you dread the most in an interview. What is that question that just makes your you like nails on a chalkboard? Give us a call. 1-844-WHARTON. 1-844-942-7866. We're taking your calls throughout the hour if it's Thursday, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. So so Terry, what's that question for you that, that 
Ah, I dread that question. <laughs> I hear questions from clients a lot of, we call them sore spot questions. One of them is, you're currently unemployed. Why are you unemployed? Were you fired? Were you laid off? Trying to answer that question. And my approach to that is, of course, you have to be truthful, but you want to put it in a positive light. It was terrific. I had spent two years at this firm. The firm was downsizing. And so now I'm in job search again, but I feel very grateful I developed the following three skills in my position. Mm -hmm. And this is... Think about what that question is for you that, that makes you feel a little defensive. And maybe it's the, why are you leaving? Why, why did you get laid off? Why are you looking for a job? Maybe it's the weakness question. I mean, whatever it is for you. And what I would say is develop a short, brief answer and talk about it as neutrally as if you're talking about what you had for dinner last night. Like, well, here's what happened. Now I'm looking to and move on. And really, you don't need a long explanation. Anytime you go into a long explanation, it starts to sound defensive, even if you do it with a smile on your face. So brief and then pause, stop. That's the hardest thing for people to do. Just stop. You answered it. And now I'm looking to take my skills and experience and move into XYZ. Done. Done. So yeah. That is, that is a good one, and that's a hard question. And, and we, we lump all the negative questions together. What are your weaknesses? Name a failure. Talk about a team you worked on and where the project didn't work out. And to follow up with Dawn's explanation, spend 20% of your answer talking about what went wrong or the problem and 80% of how you fixed it or what you learned from it. And then, as Dawn said, stop talking. Yes, and be sure to include the results. Uh preparing. You mentioned that for the tell me about yourself. There's no way you can prepare for every single question. It's just impossible. And you know what? You shouldn't. But you should get to know yourself and look at your resume and think about those accomplishments you want to share. One thing people don't do that I, I, I want to put out there is you can go to Glassdoor, glassdoor.com, and there's a ton of information on the companies, on the interview process, and just in preparation for this. I, I pulled a couple of interesting things. So for a product development role at Amazon, one of the questions they tend to ask, and this doesn't mean you're absolutely going to get asked this, but... If Jeff Bezos walks into your office and says you can have a million dollars to launch your best idea, what is it? I mean, okay, maybe they won't ask you that question, but it's it's something that if you think about it and you jot it down, maybe they'll ask you a similar question. And now you've thought about something. So, you know, Jane J, why should we hire you? I love that because you need to be able to answer that question whether you're asked it or not. Here's why you should hire me. I thought this was interesting, a sales position <laughs> At Old Navy, they talk not only questions they're asked, but the type of experience. So this person writes that the first interview is quick and brief with a table, and they ask me general questions, tell me about yourself. Then we went on to the next phase, which was a group activity where we, <laughs> we they wanted to see our outfit that we had on, and then you got the interview or not. Um, and unfortunately, this person did not get the job, so I'm, I'm guessing that, <laughs> that they didn't have on the right outfit. But um, Apple's bees. I was asked what my favorite item on the menu is. I mean, these are just things you may not think of. And, and sources like Glassdoor.com might just give you that extra, um, you know, time thinking about something that will help you on the interview. Yeah. And we've compiled a list of interview questions by industry and, and common answers. Here's how you can prepare. As, to, as you said, Dawn, you can have answers to the obvious questions. And the best way to prepare for that is come up with, let's say, five bullet points that you are going to talk about that you want to work into the half-hour conversation. One or two could be about previous jobs and achievements. One could be about a sport you love. One could be about a project you worked on. And you can use that if you're completely at a loss. And, and let's say the question is so ridiculous. If they say to you, 
a Martian drops down from outer space and says, tell me about your life. And you really can't get your hands around the question. Go to your bullet points. Mm -hmm. Well, this really reminds me of when I was working in my last job and I had to, to start a project I knew nothing about. So it might not make perfect sense, but it's going to give you the basis of an answer. Hey, the phones are open. We are taking your tips, questions, ideas on scary interview situations. We're here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And we also can take your emails, businessradio at SiriusXM.com. So we got an email from Julian Cinnamonson, which is you touched on something I'm encountering in my job search. Um, why are you leaving your current job or why do you want to change? How do you answer that question? And thank you. I listen every week. Well, thank you, Julie, for writing that in because this is a question you are going to get asked. So <laughs> you can't prepare for every question, but do prepare for this one. So let's just say, Terry, it's not a layoff situation or it's just, you know, you just decided to make a job change. Do you have any an standard answer for this? And I think standard, I'm going to clarify that because I think it has to be genuine. I think if you give a candidate answer, a recruiter or hiring manager will see right through that. So I do think it's important to be genuine, but not TMI. So not like, I hate my boss and I just can't wait to get out of there. I mean, <laughs> sure. So two themes I would build into that answer. First of all, the interviewer gets it. People move jobs. I mean, in today's world, the average length of a job is a couple of years. It's not like they expect you to stay for the next 30 years at one job. Secondly, I think it's really important not to put down your company, your boss, your job. Be positive. Nobody wants to hear someone who's wallowing in negativity. So you could say, I really enjoyed my job here. I developed terrific skill sets. However, I'm transitioning into a different industry. Or I want to add value in a firm that has more of a function of, and, and give us function. So you're not saying there's anything wrong with what you did. It's about what you want to do next and how you're going to add value. Mm -hmm. So always forward thinking, always forward thinking. Um, one of them I like, you know, to be honest, I wasn't considering a move, but I saw this job posting and was intrigued by the position. It sounds like an exciting opportunity. Now that there's and the reason I say that is use it if it's true. But there are a lot of passive candidates who are mm -hmm. getting reached out to by recruiters or who are not really looking, but they see something that, wow, that's really interesting and a different way to use my skill set. So really think about your situation and then talk about it in the forward movement. So not what you're necessarily leaving, but what you want to go to. Also make sure you focus on how you will add value. Mm -hmm. Yes, passion is a big, big theme these days, and everyone wants to convey passion, but you don't want to sound like you're going to work for a company of what the company can do for you. It's what are you going to do for the company? And yes. that's what they want to hear. And I would venture to say, take that whole line of, it's really my passion to do X, or I'm, I'm so passionate about X. Because I'll tell you, I don't want to, you know, the company doesn't care what you're passionate about exactly. right now. They care about filling a job that's going to solve a pain point for them. And yes, they want you to be motivated and you need to communicate that you're motivated, but be specific. Not I'm passionate about this, but, you know, in my career, here's what I've done and what I really get enjoyment out of is doing this and applying it. And I can see coming here and doing X, Y, Z. So, Yeah. Forget the passion. I mean, passion is good, but show, don't tell is always my thing. Yes. Show how you're passionate, don't tell. So, hey, Julie, thank you for giving us um, a, well, sending us an email here. We love to answer your questions, whether you give us a call, whether you send us an email, or you can go and tweet at bizradio111. So what else, what else, Terry, would you recommend for somebody who's just plain nervous 
maybe they're great when they, they're talking to people, maybe they're, they practice and they're doing a job, but just that idea of interviewing is just so nerve-wracking. So here's, a, here's another tip. Most people go into an interview and treat it like a Q&A. The interviewer asks a question, and then you answer it. And you feel like that's the rules. That's what you're supposed to do. Try to turn it into a conversation. Remember, there's a person on the other side, and especially if they're interviewing more than one pe- per- people that day, it's very boring. So answer the question and then say to them, have you experienced that at, at this company? Or what are your thoughts on, on how an engineer will fit into this role? And, and all of a sudden, it becomes a conversation. It will loosen you up. You'll be more successful. And they will remember you if you, if you can turn it into a conversation. And it would help if the weather's good that day, exactly. too. Exactly. <laughs> and they've had lunch. Um, and then lastly, one of the things I, I think that is critical that people often don't prepare for, but you need to and will make your life infinitely easier if you think about this ahead of time, is what questions you have for them. Mm-hmm. You will always get asked this question, and I will tell you, I will not... If you tell me none, I would not hire you as a recruiter. That's it. We're done. <laughs> so don't ask the obvious questions. If you could do a quick Google search or go on the company's website, don't ask that because that shows that you really didn't take the initiative. First of all, ask the person about themselves. People like to talk about themselves. How long have you been at the company and how would you describe the culture? That's one type of question. Um, another question could be, what do you consider um, the traits of a candidate to be successful at your company? That's helpful information if you have a second interview. Mm -hmm. You can work those answers that the person's telling you into it. Yeah, I like asking, what surprised you about coming to work here? Because the interesting thing about that question is that they could take it in the positive or they could take it in the Mm -hmm. negative. So it's really telling for you coming in as a a candidate wanting to understand the culture. Because if they take it in the negative, hmm. That's a really good one. (laughs) (laughs) What surprised you about we're here? And of course, the key question I would say, never leave without asking, hey, is there anything that concerns you about my ability to do this job? And you can ask it in a lot of different ways. Do what's comfortable for you. But if there's something that they didn't ask you or that you didn't get to relay, here's your opportunity to get in your, your last licks. Hey, you know, Terry, you live really far away. We're really concerned about your commute and where you could say, hey, well, my sister lives right around the corner. So this is great. So Terry, as always, the hour goes by incredibly fast. Where can our listeners reach you? Well, sure. You can reach me two places. One is our website, jobtrex.com, J-O-B-T-R-E-K-S.com, and we have contact information on the site. Or feel free to use social media at JobTrex, J-O-B-T-R-E-K-S. Thank you so much. The information was incredibly informative. It's been so fun having you in the studio. So thank you for coming Thanks down for from New York. Thanks for having me, Dawn. Um, Patty and Dion, as always, making the ship run smoothly. And I'd love to thank our callers, May, Josh, Bob, Stephen, and Julie for writing in from Cinnaminson because this show is all about you. We're here every week to share tips, help listeners find the job of their dreams, and that that is our sole purpose here. So thank you to all of the listeners. We're here every Thursday live at noon. And you can always tweet or find us at BizRadio111. You can find me at Dr. Don Graham on Twitter. You can also sign up to get more advice and insight on a weekly blog at dawnoncareers.com. Thank you so much for listening to Career Talk. We're on SiriusXM Channel 111, powered by Wharton. <laughs>